If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11, or you can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app if you have that on your phone. Uh, when you open up the YouVersion Bible app down where it says uh, more on the bottom, you can click on that. There should be a tab that says events. Um, type in Cornerstone Community Church. It should pop up, and you can follow along that way as well. And uh, while you're getting to Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, last week we were in chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, and we were talking about this idea of remembering the Lord our God. And he talked about how, or Moses talks about how, they were led through the wilderness before they're entering into the promised land. And he mentions that the reason behind the desert was to teach the people, to remind the people that all of the, the provisions that God had given them, the manna especially that he had provided to the people, it was only there because God commanded it to be there. Without that command from God, that manna is not there. And so he's teaching the people to realize, hey, at my word, you have my provision. And without it, you have nothing. You know, we are, you know, made to live on God's word each and every day. That is, by God's word, we have the provision, the, the blessings that we have. And without God's word, without him saying, this is so, we have nothing. And he teaches them this lesson to depend on and rely on him because when they enter into the promised land, the temptation is going to be that this was all because of my doing. Everything that I have, all the good things that have come from this promised land, the, the house that I live in, the animals that I have, the, the fact that they're multiplying and growing and things seem to be good, this is all because of me. This is because of my strength, because of my power, because of my doing that I have all of this. And the temptation is there for us each and every day to say that we have all the things that we have in this life because of our own power, our own strength, and that's not true. Without God, we have none of it. Everything that we have, God's provision in our life, he provides for us the things that we need. He is the source of our provision, not ourself, not our own power, not our own strength. And now we're going to fast forward from Deuteronomy chapter 8 to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we're coming uh, close to the end of the series. Next week, we'll wrap up Deuteronomy looking at the life of Moses in general and what lessons can we learn from the life of Moses but we're going to fast forward to chapter 30. In chapter 30, it's, we're coming close to the end of the life of Moses. And this is one of the, the last messages that he gives to the people before he passes. You know, um, just uh, several years ago, uh, when I was in Bible college and a little after Bible college, I got to work at Harps Food Stores. And I worked at the one in Salina, and I was the video department manager there for a while uh, before they phased out the video section. And uh, I remember this one time, you know, it's, I'm at the counter and I'm doing some stuff behind the counter and uh, there's this customer and his kid are in there shopping, his little girl. And uh, he's looking at all these movies and he finally picks the movie he wants, but his daughter is struggling to find a movie. There's just all these kids' movies and she's struggling with. She's, she's trying really hard to figure out what movie she wants to, to check out. And she'll pick up a movie and then she'll say, I don't want this one. And then she'll pick up a movie and say, I don't want this one. And now dad is ready to go. 
he's found his movie. He's ready to get out of there. But his daughter's like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to get this one. I want to get this one. I want to get this one. And finally, he's like, pick one. And she's like, I, I don't know which one to pick. And he goes, all right, well, you have to the count of five to pick a movie or you get no movie. And so she runs back up there and she just grabs a movie and comes back. And he goes, good job. Out of the choice to have something or nothing, you chose something. That always stood out to me because life is full of choices. Each and every day we have to make choices. And sometimes our choices are simple it's freezing cold outside. Maybe we should wear a hoodie or a jacket. Maybe we shouldn't go out wearing jeans and a tank top when it's 20 degrees outside. You know, it, sometimes our, our choices are simple. Should I put ranch on everything? Absolutely, I should put ranch on everything. Does everything taste better with bacon? Absolutely, everything tastes better with bacon. You know, if I have to choose between my favorite meal and ramen noodles, I'm going to choose my favorite meal. Now, if your favorite meal is ramen noodles, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend. Some choices are simple, some are not so simple. And as I think of this, I think about the struggle that I have seen several times. I'm out going grocery shopping with Kay. And we're in Owasso, and we're, we're going to you know, Sam's or Sprouts or Costco or one of those, and we've been shopping, and then the time comes, I gotta eat something. How about you? Yeah, I gotta eat something. Where do you want to go? Oh, that's a loaded question. And so I'll ask, hey, okay, where do you want to go? And she'll say, I can find food anywhere. Where do you want to go? And I'll be like, hey, how about this place? <clears throat> and she'll say, Okay, um, what about this place? Uh, I, I told her I was going to say this, by the way. Um, you know, she's, she's seeing this health and wellness specialist, and, you know, she's got certain things she can and can't eat, and so I'm trying to, and so I'm like, well, what about this place? Uh, and so, finally, I say, well, where do you want to eat? And she'll say, well, what about these three places? You can pick between these three places. So it's like, God, you're still putting it back on me to make the decision. I'm so finally, like, okay, we'll go here. It's such a tough decision to make. As a matter of fact, you've probably seen it on Facebook or YouTube where people will take a, make a spinning wheel that has restaurant titles on there, and they'll spin the wheel, and wherever it lands, uh, that's where they'll go. And I've even seen some people take the, you know, the toys the, for kids that you pull the string, and it spins around, and it's like cow says moo or whatever. Um, they'll take that, and they'll put restaurants on there and they'll pull the string and when it stops spinning that's where they're going to go eat the new trend is to say hey guess where i'm taking you and when they say are you taking me here they're like yeah that's it that's exactly where i'm taking you how did you know you see i i kid but we know that deep down the truth is life is really filled with difficult choices for the high school senior they're trying to figure out where am i going to go to college and, and not even just where am I going to go to college, but what am I going to do with my life after I graduate? I, I'm trying to think about what's not just the best fit for now, but where do I feel like I'm being led in the future? Where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do with my life? Or maybe it's, is this job really the best job to take? Is, is this going to 
provide for my family, and even if I provide for my family, am I going to be able to spend time with them? So many choices that we have to make. But you see, this morning, Moses is laying down, as he's coming towards the end of his life, he's laying down this great choice. And it's, it's the hardest choice. And you might be able to see by the, the title of the, the scripture before verse 11, the choice of life and death. And really, it's this great choice. It's this tough choice. It's this idea of what is my future going to look like for eternity? And we don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. But it's a choice that we have to make. Every one of us will eventually have to make this choice. What does our eternity, what does our eternal future look like? And Moses is laying that out to the people. You have to decide. You can choose to live for him or you can choose to live for the world. And we find ourselves all this time later, we have to make the same choice. And so we're going to go to verse 11 in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy. And it says this in verses 11 through 14. It says, For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to, or bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. You see, leading up to our text this morning, the previous chapters have been talking about this idea of blessings and curses. Moses has been laying out to the people, if you choose to listen to God, you choose to obey the commandments and decrees of the Lord, then here are going to be the blessings that are provided to you, the blessings that you need, the spiritual blessings, the physical blessings that you need. Here's what will be provided. But if you choose at the same time, if you choose to not listen, if you choose not to do what God asks you to do, if you choose not to obey and turn your heart from him, then there will be curses that fall upon you for those who choose not to be obedient. And this has been kind of this overall story for the nation of Israel as they've left Egypt, this idea of will you choose to listen or will you choose to ignore? Will you choose to obey or will you choose to disobey? Over and over again, we see the Israelites making this decision to not believe, to disobey God's commands, to to grumble and complain and to argue. And actually, this is, as it's been prevalent throughout the story of the Israelites, it's something that remains true for us today. We have to choose, are we going to be listening or disobeying? And really, there is blessings when we obey. Luke 28 says, but he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. But to start our text this morning, Moses says that the command that he's given to the people, the command to listen to the word of God, to listen to his law, to obey the law of God, to do what it says, to listen to the voice of God, he says that this command to follow God's law, to keep it with all their heart and all their soul, is not one that is difficult. It's not one that is hard or far off. It's not hard for them to understand or to grasp. And it's not inaccessible to them. And you see, he makes the comment that it's, it's not something that's just reserved in heaven where you, you, it's too far, from you or far for you to get it. It's not across the sea that somebody has to brave it and bring it back to you. It's, it's not inaccessible to you. 
And see, many ancients believe that the meaning of life is this dark secret that the gods would tease the people with, that they would never be able to understand or truly grasp it. But this wasn't the case for the Israelites. Moses had been proclaiming it. God had given it to Moses to give to the people. The people knew what God wanted from them. They knew the law. They knew his commands and his decrees. They had heard it proclaimed to them. They had seen the benefits and the consequences of listening, listening and obeying and disobeying several times. Paul would actually go on to talk about this in Romans 10, 6 through 8, talking about this uh, verse that we're talking about. In Romans 10, 6 through 8, it says, But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. This word of God that is accessible for you, it's not hard to understand. This was pointing to Jesus Christ. But we feel that way sometimes, don't we? That it's just too unattainable, that the word of God is just too complex, too hard to understand. We can't wrap our brain around it. It's too difficult for us. And I've heard this said several times. Well, you went to Bible college, so you understand it a lot better than I do. Let me tell you the truth this morning. There's a lot of scripture that I do not understand. And I don't know if I'll ever understand on this side of heaven. And see, I learn every single time I study the word of God. I learn something new. I learn something that I didn't know. I'm constantly studying because I'm constantly learning something from it that I didn't know. But we have to remember, we can learn the word of God. We can study the word of God. We can dig into the word of God. We can know more about what it says. There's resources all around us to understand and study the word of God. Now, I would challenge you to be paying attention to what those resources are. And you see, there's ways that you can learn. There's Bible studies here throughout the week for you to come and learn and hear the word of God and help to understand the word of God. And you see, as a result of this, the people knew it. The Israelites, they knew the word of God. They had heard it spoke to them. They had seen it play out in the wilderness. They had seen God's provision. They had seen the, the blessings and the consequences of their unbelief. They knew it. And it says that they could speak it because they had heard it said to them and they knew it. It was on their lips and it was in their hearts. And think about it. Many times we've seen this decree to the people, know the word of God, and don't just know the word of God, but know it in your heart, have it in your heart, hide it in your heart, write it like, or write it on your heart, like you would write it on a stone, write it in your heart. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This makes me think to myself as I, and actually I'll think out loud. It's a question that I would ask each of you, can we say the same thing? Is the word of God on our lips and in our hearts? I mean, think about this. If I were to ask you to come up this morning and sing me your favorite song, you could probably do that. You probably won't because you don't want to come up here and sing. Um, but you could probably sing every lyric, every word to your favorite song. 
Or if you're a sports fan, I could probably ask you this morning, can you tell me the stats of your favorite team? And you could probably tell me all these things, all these interesting facts, all these stats from your favorite teams and your favorite players. Or if I asked you to talk to me about your favorite hobbies, you could probably pour out every single thing you know about the hobbies that mean so much to you. But yet, so often we fail to know the Word of God. We don't have it in our hearts, and it is not on our lips. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 tells us this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates day and night. It's in his mind, it's in his thoughts, it's in his heart, it's on his lips, because he's constantly in the word. Is that a priority in our life? One of the things I love about Wednesday nights is I love coming and watching the kids at D-Zone. They're learning scripture and they're learning giant chunks of scripture and they're memorizing giant chunks of scripture. And I think to myself, man, I fall short in that so often, taking the time to just memorize the word of God. Do we make that a priority? Then go into verse 15. It says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. And so now we get to it. This is the ultimate choice that Moses is laying down before the people. You can choose life. You can choose to listen and obey and receive the good that comes from it, the things, the blessings that you need. You can receive those things from him, or you can choose death and evil. You decide. That's the option. Those are the two options. Those are your choices. You can do one of these two things. You cannot do both. You have to decide. And so in verse 16, he starts laying down the groundwork here. He says, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. And so the way of choosing life looked like this for the people. They had to love the Lord their God, and it would show that they love the Lord their God. It would show in the way that they would obey the commands of the Lord their God. It would show in the way that they would walk in his ways. The way they lived their life would show the love that they have for God. Now, clarifying something here, Moses is not teaching that the people are saved by the law, justified by the law. We know that justification came through faith in God, similar to the way it did for Abraham in Genesis 15, 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. No, I think what Moses is telling the people, life is really better when we listen to him and obey. And we see Moses tell them, if you do the right thing, if you follow God, if you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, if you do what you are called to do, if you listen to his commands and his decrees, then you will live and you will multiply and you will get into the promised land and you will take it and God would bless them there. And we already know just even getting to the promised land was going to be a blessing and everything that was waiting there for them. You see, there's blessings that come in being obedient to God. And when I say blessings, I'm not talking health and wealth or anything. I'm talking God provides what we need physically, spiritually. He provides what we need 
Psalm 112 verses 1-2 says this, Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Then we go into verse 17 and 18, and it's the flip side of this. It says, But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish, You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. We see the consequences here now for the Israelites choosing to turn their hearts from God and turn and serve other gods and and worship and serve those other gods. The people would perish just like their enemies, just like their enemies before them would perish. They too would perish and they would not live long in the land that was promised to them. That's probably because they would perish. They would lose everything by making the wrong decision. And so what does Moses tell them? Verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob to give them and so Moses is closing his message here with this heaven and earth are my witnesses today Everything on earth, everything in heaven, all of these God in heaven above is my witness. Today, I have given you these two options, life and death, blessing and curse, God or the world. I've given you that choice. And so Moses encourages them to make the right choice. Choose life. Choose life that your offspring may live, that you and your offspring would love him, that you would listen to him and obey and hold fast to him. And if you do this, then you would get to dwell in the land that had been promised all the way back to Abraham. Genesis 12, 6 and 7. Abram passed through the land of the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So we built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And I think Moses is right. Life is better when we obey God. Life is better when we choose to put our faith, our trust, our hope in him and obey him. And fast forward in the scripture and we come to the New Testament. We see the Son of God come in. Actually, I say come into the story. He's always been in the story. And we can make the same decision that they had to make. We have to make the same decision that they made. And we do this by putting our faith and our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ and following him. Because here's the truth. Everyone follows someone or something. Some follow money, power, success, popular opinion. But here's the thing. None of those things are as good as what we have in God. None of those things compare to knowing God, to following God, to living for God, to giving our lives to God, to obeying his word. And so the question that I think we would ask is, does it matter? What does this text matter to us or or does it really matter? And I think that's the ultimate question. Does it really matter? And we, uh, we hear it asked, does it really matter? 
Does it matter if I actually give my life to God? Does it matter if I follow Christ? Does it matter if I make that decision to live for him? Does it really matter? Can I be a good person? Can I be a good person and and love the things that this world has to offer me? As long as I'm nice, isn't that all that matters? Can I do what I want and still be good? Can I do what I want? And I can read scripture from time to time, and, and I'm just going to be a good person. Does it, does it really matter? And so many people are asking this without ever realizing what they're getting into if they choose to ignore God. And so here's what I want to do the rest of this morning. I want to lay out before you the blessings and the curses, the blessings and the consequences of the decision that we have to make. And so here's where I want to start. What if we decide that it doesn't matter and we decide I don't want to follow Jesus? What are the consequences of this? Well, I think there's a few. For starters, I think we find ourselves with a lack of peace. We find ourselves with a lack of peace. And you might hear people say, well, I can find peace in my family. I can find peace in my friends. I can find peace in my success. I can find peace in the things that, you know, I think are important. I can find peace in all of these things. And we see them scrambling. And maybe this is you. You find yourself trying to find anything that can bring you some semblance of peace. Money, power, success, all of these things. As long as I have these, as long as I have more and more of these things, then I will have peace. And I've heard so many people say that. And yet I constantly see the opposite. I don't see peace in them. I see the opposite. I see conflict. I see conflict because that peace they say they have, it's it's temporary. It's fleeting, it's here and then it's gone and then they're looking again for something. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's just conflict that you feel and the the moments where you feel like you have peace, it's gone just like that. And you feel like something is missing. In the midst of the storms of life, you feel like something is missing. There's a lack of peace. What else happens if you choose to say, I don't need to follow Jesus? Well, you stand condemned. What does that mean, to stand condemned? Several different definitions for it, and I just picked some of my favorite ones that I liked. It's the expression of very strong disapproval, the action of condemning someone to a punishment, sentencing to declare to be reprehensible, wrong, or evil, usually after weighing evidence to pronounce guilty to a judge unfit, for use or consumption. Condemnation is a sense of being unworthy, guilty, and wrong. To not give our lives to Christ keeps us in a place of guilt and wrong, of condemnation. What else? If you choose to say, I don't need to follow Jesus, well, then you remain in the bondage of sin to live for the world, to live for the things of this world, to live for the sins of this world, traps us in bondage to it. Acts 8.23 says, For I see that you are in the gale of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Second Peter 2.19, They promised them freedom, but they themselves were slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. 
In other words, when we choose to be enslaved to things that will only leave us feeling empty, I think of this, a slave obeys his master because he belongs to him. A slave obeys his master because he has no will of his own. They're literally in bondage to their masters. When sin is our master, we are unable to resist it. We are able to flee from it. We are unable to get away from it. What else? If we choose to say, I don't need Jesus. Choosing to live for the things of this world, the gods of this world, the idols of this world, means separation from the one true God, the one true God that loves us so deeply, separation from him. And not just separation from God, no. If we choose to make that decision and live with that decision and we take that decision with us to the grave, that's eternal separation. Second Thessalonians 1.9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And what does this mean? It means no future with him, no eternity with him. It also means no heavenly reward. It means a life spent separated from him. And what does that mean? We're trading it in for a life in hell. Let's not mince words. Let's not try to ignore it. Let's not try to call it by a different name. Let's call it what it is. It's hell. That is a life that is destined for you if you choose to say, I don't need Jesus. For those who refuse to believe, for those who refuse to put their faith and trust in him, that is what it is, eternity in hell. Revelation 21.8, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Those are all pretty grave consequences. But here's the good news. There is a better choice. There is a better option that you can choose. You can choose life. You can choose faith. You can choose giving your life to our Lord and Savior. And what, if there's consequences for our unbelief, then what are the blessings that come from our belief? Well, If we find that without him there's a lack of true peace, then it would stand to reason that in him we find true peace. If we give our lives to Christ, there is a peace that can only come from him. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And guess what? Just because we put our faith in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that there's not going to be trials. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be tests. It doesn't mean that there are going to be difficult situations in our life. The difference is in the midst of those storms, in the midst of those trials that we face, we're not finding ourselves in this constant battle with conflict. No, we find ourselves with a peace that can only come from him. John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We can have peace because we know that our future is not here. What else? Well, if, there's, if we stand condemned without Christ, then we can know that there is no condemnation in Christ. 
if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we find ourselves no longer condemned. John 3.18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even though we are guilty, each and every one of us in this room guilty, our sins are pardoned and we are no longer found guilty. How about this? Whereas before we were in bondage to our sin, we now find ourselves no longer slaves to sin. Therefore, when we were once slaves to the power of sin and its bondage through Christ, we become instead slaves of righteousness. Romans 6, 17 through 18, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. When we give our lives to Christ and receive forgiveness, we receive the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to resist sin and temptation and the ability to flee from it. We're no longer bound by its chains. I think of John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. How about this? Think about the consequence of being separated for eternity from the Father. But because of Jesus Christ, through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we now have access to the Father. We can go before the Father Each and every moment of our day, we can go before we can lift up prayers to our Heavenly Father. We have access to the Father because of the work of Christ. Jesus told us there was one way to the Father. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And because of Christ's work, we can go before our Heavenly Father. Ephesians 2, 18, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And how about this? And this one cannot be stated enough. I cannot state this enough. This is the most, I think, the most important thing. We are guilty, and really what we deserve is death and punishment because of what sin brings into our life. But God has given us mercy. He has given us mercy. He has given us compassion. And instead of getting what we deserve, he gives us what we don't deserve. And none of this has anything to do with our works, with our deeds, with ourself. Titus 3.5, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And you see this gift of mercy was displayed through the work of Christ, the death on the cross, the blood that was shed for us, 1 John 2.2. 2. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also this, for the sins of the whole world. And because of this blood, we can be reconciled to God, forgiven of our sins, and receive an eternal inheritance, an eternal life spent with the Father. Hebrews 9.12, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. John 3.16, it sums it up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Life is better in Christ. It's better in Christ. That is the best decision that you could possibly make. 
It's worth following Jesus. It's worth giving our life to him, putting our faith and trust and hope in him. But there's two things that we need to remember. For starters, there is only one way to receive that life in Christ, and that is to put your faith and trust and hope in him. Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Galatians 2.16, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because the works of the law, no one will be justified. There is one way, that is Jesus Christ. The second thing is this, and let's tie it back to our text this morning. Over and over and over again, Moses' writings has been about obedience. Trying to remind the people to be obedient Israel, listen. Be obedient to what God calls you to do. Listen to his word. Listen to his commands. Listen to his decrees. Be obedient. Here's the thing. Giving your life to Christ does not give you permission to coast. It doesn't give you permission to say, guess what, I gave my life to Christ. I'm done for the, forever. I can just do whatever I want to do. I've given my life to him. No, that's not what it means. No, we have to, following Christ means being obedient. It means being obedient to the word of God. It means being obedient to the Spirit's leading. It means living for him the way we are called to. 2 John 1, 6, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning, so you should walk in it. Now here's the truth of the matter. We stumble. We fall. We have that, that sinful nature in us. Paul talked about it. He struggled. The things he wanted to do were not the things that he did, and the things that he didn't want to do were the things that he, he struggled with the sinful nature, just as we do. But here's the good news. We know that because of what Christ has done for us, the work on the cross, the finished work on the cross, the death, the resurrection, we can find ourselves forgiven. And we can go before him and we can confess our sins and we can seek his forgiveness and we can pick ourselves back up and we can live for him. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, I quite like this quote from Dwight Moody who said, the voice of sin is loud, but the voice of forgiveness is louder. Forgiveness is found in him and this morning we can come before him and we can seek his forgiveness I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and as they do maybe you are here this morning and you find yourselves at a crossroad and you're thinking to yourself this morning does it really matter I mean I'm a good person I, I mean I read my bible that's enough. But I also really want to do what I want to do. I want to chase the things of this world. I want to live how I want to live. I want to do what I want to do, and I don't really care what anyone has to say. Does it really matter? You see, I think Scripture shows us this morning that it does. And you have a choice to make. You can choose to walk with Him. You can choose to give your life to Christ. You can choose to listen to his word, obey his word, do what he commands us to do, live for him. 
or you can choose to say, I'm going to follow the things of this world. I'm going to choose to follow the false idols and the false gods of this world and do what I want. Maybe you have that choice to make this morning. But here's the thing. You can't do both. You can't say, I'm going I'm to follow God with one foot in and one foot out. No, we're not called to that. As in Revelation, the, because you're either hot or cold or lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. The church at Sardis. We are not called to live lukewarm. We are not called to live with one foot in and one foot out. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've never made that choice to walk with him. And you've been asking yourself, does it really matter? It does. It does matter because your eternity is at stake. It does matter. And so if that's you here this morning and you've never made that decision to follow him, please do so this morning. There's no better time than now. Or maybe you're here this morning and you find yourself Maybe your faith has never really been your own. I mean, maybe your faith was your mom's faith, your dad's faith, your grandmother or grandpa's faith. Maybe this morning you need a faith of your own. No better time than now. Maybe you're here this morning and you've just fallen short. We sin, we fall short of the glory of God. But we can come this morning and we can confess and we can seek his forgiveness knowing that we can find it in him. And so if that's the case and you just need to spend some time in prayer, I pray that you would do so. If you need to, you can come up here and pray. I'd love to pray with you. If you have a decision to make this morning, I'd love to talk with you. But this is it. This is the ultimate decision. This is the ultimate choice that we have to make. Will you choose to follow him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, with everything that you are, listening to his word, following his commands, obeying him? Will you choose to live for the gods of this world? Will you choose to say, I don't need him, I'm going to turn my heart away from him? The choice is yours. If you have a decision to make this morning, I pray that you do so as we stand and we sing.